How's everyone doing? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Welcome to walk, walk, you know, week number three of new money. Uh, before I get some energy in the room, I, I'm gonna try again because I was a bit weak still. Welcome to week number three of new money. <laughs> How's everyone been enjoying the series so far? Literally, man, it's been a it's been a mazel still. Sound, that's right, man of God. Sound doctrine. None of this flimsy stuff. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I want to do a quick recap. Um, I want to do a recap now. Mm. Before we get to recap, let me just share what the Holy Ghost put on my heart for the house of AMT. Yeah, let's just quickly go to Acts 7, 9 to 10. You know, when God speaks, um, he's just not um, making us do different series for um, no reason. There is always an intention, purpose, a design behind what God is saying. Um, and I believe God is bringing us into the teaching of money because there's going to be something that's going to happen next or happening right now when it partakes to money. And as I was praying this week over the house of A&T, I was reading the book of Acts. This particular scripture in Acts 7, 9 to 10 stood out to me because I believe God is um, calling all of us to be types of Josephs in this hour. The Bible says the patriarchs became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt. Yet God was with him. Say God was with him. And rescued him from all his afflictions and granted him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor, or in our modern day terminology, prime minister over Egypt and his entire household. This was a description of a man called Joseph. Two things that God wants to give to this house in this season. Let me just take this. It's um, favor and wisdom. I hope you're taking notes. Amen. Jeez. <laughs> Tony's receiving that one. Favor and wisdom. Whenever we read the Old Testament, I encourage you to read it through the lens of Jesus Christ. Amen. Meaning, in basic terminology, when I'm saying that God's called us to be types of Joseph, we should be able to see what does Christ look like in Joseph. Amen? So, in Luke 2, 52, I'm going to write this down, guys. It says that, G, let me read from 2051, sorry. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. This is Jesus. Um, and, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. Basically, Jesus went missing for three days. He was in the synagogue. They found him, said to them, then you know I'm going to do like my father's business and then um, and some other stuff. But then obviously he had to come back and behave himself. Amen. So the Bible says that after that time, he had to be obedient or subject. Your Bible might say submitted to them. Um, and it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and 
with men. This is the last thing we hear about Jesus until he gets baptized. Meaning, he spent some time growing in wisdom, favor, and in stature. So what does this mean? We're seeing a blueprint for something called destiny. Amen? When he was baptized, that was Jesus entered into his moment of destiny. Are you guys following me here, yeah? And I believe all of you are walking into your moment of destiny. Amen. Amen. I'm loving the energy in the room today. But in order to manage destiny moments, you need wisdom. And you need favor. Now, I'm of the opinion that wealth, in my opinion, is um, your relationships. I think the wealthiest man is the man that is rich in relationships. Not money, relationships. And we see that in the life of Joseph, because Joseph goes through many things before he gets to that moment of destiny. And it was through every moment that he was going through where God had to deliver him, it was through his relationships. We've got a scripture here. Genesis 37 verse 2. Once again, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. And this is the same master whose wife he lied and got him sent to prison. God used every relationship to steward the next move in Joseph's life. And I believe the same is for you guys. So you guys need wisdom to steward relationships. You guys need wisdom to know who is for you and who is against you. I'll share with my wife this same scripture. I was like, don't you find it interesting that out of all the brothers that um, sold um, Joseph into slavery, it was only his um, full blood brother, Benjamin, who wasn't involved in it. So I was telling my wife, like, you know, we're going through some, some, some things. I said, look, babes, in this season, we're going to use Joseph as a template. We need to be, we need to understand that that's because we're half brothers, or that's because we're all believers. Doesn't mean everybody that's believing is for you. Hmm. Just because we say we are saved, hallelujah, washed by the blood, doesn't mean that person's intentions are, are happy when you share with them your dream. Hmm. Hmm. If you've been listening to me at the beginning of this year, I said you need to find your Elizabeth. You need to make sure you're in the right company for whatever it is that God has called you to do. So when I say wealth is relationships. I'm talking about this is the hour to be walking with your we call it in African church, destiny helpers. Amen? It's a real thing. Imagine, he told them the dream, they became envious and jealous and they sold their half-brother into slavery, guys. So I want to really encourage the house of A&T today. The Lord wants to give you wisdom and favor. And, and favor, I've just defined her favor. What I put? It's just to be set apart unto God 
And as you are set apart unto God, what is on you will be seen by others. So when the Bible talks about um, Elizabeth, highly favored of the Lord, it was that sometimes we preach this whole favor is not fair, X, Y, and Z. I have a different opinion on that, but today is not the day for that. When you're favored, expect affliction. The woman was highly favored, but she was not married, but she was pregnant. Highly favored, had to run to Egypt to give birth to her son. Highly favored, had to be in hiding for... So her life didn't look like what we would describe as favor. But the favor was the ability to endure whatever affliction came with the promise of God. And we see the same thing in Joseph. To the point whereby, when the moment came for him to meet his dad and his brothers, he was able to receive them. It says, what you meant for evil, my God meant for good. And then he was used as a um, fulfillment of the prophecy to Abraham that Israel will now enter into the promised land. So I've learned to understand that my everybody, sorry, in this house plays a part in God's vision. Everybody. Hello? Me, you, her, he, she, we have a part to play in the big picture of God. And I think it's time we put onus and value on that. And that will be evident in your wisdom, i.e. how you steward your relationships and your favor. Are you receiving, believing the word of God over your life? Does that make sense, people of God? So, obviously when we hear Joseph, we hear, you know, wealth, mantle, you know, money, all that good stuff. Amen. And you know what's kind of interesting? His name actually means to increase and to add. To increase and to add. And you know what? If you read the scriptures properly and you read your Bible, the money that he, was, um, that he received wisdom to gather wasn't his money, by the way. It was Pharaoh's money. So I thought, let me put myself in the same picture. The money that I am amassing is not my money. It's his money. So the wealth that God is going to give you the skill set to amass people of God is not for self. It's for the king of kings. Because I'll be very honest, you know, famine is coming. And because God's a good God, God speaks before time. And there are certain instructions in this season. And the instruction, if I'm honest with you guys, is seek first the kingdom. What the Bible says, and all those other things shall be what? added. So what was Joseph doing when he was in prison? He was using his gift to do what, guys? Serve others. So at every state of his life, God was adding and increasing. So whatever it looks like, it's not what it is. I told you the first, the first uh, message, I said, look, your bank account is not your balance. Your balance is how much more. So in my personal opinion, Joseph had to go through those years, not months by the way guys, years of processes because God had to kill what any ounce of self would sabotage what he wanted to entrust him to when it came to him amassing wealth and also fulfilling God's mandate in his life, which was to bring Israel into the promised land. 
Psalms 107, um, verse, I think it's 19. It says, until the time that Joseph's word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. I'll be very honest, guys. Obedience takes a long time to produce its fruit. Amen? You know, hand tight, get rich schemes. But doing the right thing, if we're all honest, it takes time. Amen? Some of you are a bit wary because we're not really seeing what's happening. I lie. If we're going to be honest. But that testing is proven, you guys. Bible says what? Let patience have its what? Full work. Why? That you may be mature, once again, lacking nothing. So there's a greater treasure that God wants to give you that's more than money. Is you looking like him. The Bible says, wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Big statement, you know. He's telling us that wisdom is of more value than a million pounds, guys. I don't know how many of us believe that. I'm sure if I ask the question, your wisdom or one million pounds, I'm sure if we're really honest, <laughs> I'll take the one million, God, and I will buy wisdom afterwards. Amen? <laughs> wisdom. Wisdom. So, Whatever is going to happen next when it comes to promotion in you guys' life, when it comes to God adding and increasing and this big moment where it all works out, it's going to come from the most unlikely places, guys. Which means we have to learn to steward what God has given us in the mundane moments of life. You guys follow me here, yeah? Joseph's moment of, of, um, of breakthrough came two years after he interpreted, um, I think it was a chef or however it was, dream. Two years later, randomly, the, the Pharaoh had a problem. I know a man that I met in prison two years ago. So that tells me how you serve your gift that we say makes room for you is very much interlinked to what is going to be next for you. So when we say be faithful, we're talking about become skillful, diligent in whatever it is that God has called you to do. Amen? Amen? Amen. I'll move on because time has been, that wasn't the main message, that was a word of encouragement. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wisdom and favor. Hallelujah. So, I want to quickly do a brief recap over the last two weeks. I mean, last week. And last week, I told you guys um, three reasons as to why I am teaching on finance. Number one was money has a way of exposing our hearts. Money answers all things. Number two, our relationship and understanding of money affects how we serve God and prosper in this life. And number three, the leading of the Holy Spirit being able to decipher whether it's the Holy Ghost or the enemy that's leading you in how to use your money. Next slide, please. And then we um, spoke on stewardship, and I echo that. And we are stewards of money and not owners of money. Um, stewardship recognizes that God gives us all that we have. We can't be steward of God's resources if we want to own his resources. And as stewards, 
we are managers and not owners of our income. Next slide for me, boss. And then I went into the six things about how do we steward our wealth. I'm going to read that. Amen. Next slide, please. So today, I want to talk about I want to talk about what God expects you to do with your money from a responsibility and obligation point of view, yeah? So I'm going to go through a few things today, only three main points today about how God wants you to manage the money you have from a point of view of responsibility and obligation. So I put her next slide, one of those. Being a true follower of Christ involves embracing all the responsibilities of a disciple, which includes financial obligations. Is it okay if I define these two words so we know what we're saying, yeah? So let me define responsibility. It says here, the state or fact of being responsible, answerable, or accountable for something within your control power and management yeah obligation means something by which a person is bound or obliged to do certain things which arises out of a sense of duty or results from custom and law so god wants us to be responsible of our money amen we're stewards yeah and in that stewardship god says there are obligations as to who should benefit from the money that you have that I've given to you. Does that make sense, guys, yeah? Awesome. So I, I just want to emphasize what we're going to talk about today is not law, it's from a place of grace, amen? Meaning God has given you the divine empowerment to do what he requires from you, amen? I want to echo that whatever we're doing here today is, 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 is going to be a response to our faith and love in Jesus. Amen. I'm dashing all these disclaimers because I don't want to be looking inside there when I go through all my points. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Point number one, man of God. Can someone get me tissue, please? Our responsibility for personal upkeep. This is one of the first obligations God has for you as a disciple. Second Thessalonians 3, verses 10 to 11. It says, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone, man or woman, by the way, <laughs> will not work, neither shall he or she eat. <laughs> for we heard that there are some who walk among you in disorderly manner, not working at all. Hey. But our busy bodies. Can I read it again? Is that okay? It's a very sweet scripture. <laughs> We're all laughing because we know some people like this, isn't it? <laughs> Paul is saying, when we were with you, Paul the apostle, led by example, he was preaching and working. Io is preaching and he's also working. Hallelujah. We commanded you this. So it wasn't, it wasn't um, counsel or advice. It was an instruction. 
If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Hmm. Hmm. The same God that will provide for you shelter, food. He's saying if you don't work, my friends, neither do you have a right to eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in disorderly manner. So God is, is equaling not working to disorderly manner. This is key because when God first made Adam, before he gave him a wife, he gave him work. Man them, he gave him work. <laughs> Even the phones are green. He gave <laughs> him work. <laughs> I won't say any more, amen. Not working at all, but our busybodies. Talk a lot. You know, on the streets, you're like, you know, you talk too much. Show me your bread, my friend. Just talk it. You know, it's funny. People that talk about money, don't have no money at all. Busy bodies. I put down here, every adult, I had to put adult because not children, amen. Adults is primarily responsible for their own financial affairs. All of you here, God is holding you responsible for your own financial affairs. Meaning, you should not expect anybody else to take care of what God instructs you to take care of yourself. Are you guys following me here? He had to know there are some who walk among you. Because remember, we're in church, so it's a giving place. So sometimes out of generosity, we will see those that are not working. Who can work? And we'll pity them. Amen. And we'll dash a one, two hundred, one fifty here and there. And he's saying, my friend, how they are living is disorderly because they are refusing to work at all. And the instruction is, if you want to eat food today, Ayo, where's your wages? Where's your work? What's he doing here? He's building personal responsibility for the food you want to eat must come from the work of your hands. Now, this is not about people that are disabled or vulnerable, etc. Those of you that have hands, amen, your brain is still functioning. Your legs can't walk. Even if your legs can't walk, you can type. <laughs> you know, laughing. People are making money from the computer desk, you know. <laughs> we should all be responsible for our own financial affairs. Uh, second point I want to make is that God expects you to be responsible for your own welfare. Now, this is basically you guys, uh, what's the word to use here? Prioritizing that as you get money, you're looking after yourself from a basic needs point of view. Amen? And I want to echo this again. No one should expect anyone else to do that for them. That is something that God requires you to do for yourself. Amen? Last point. God is expecting you to cut your cloth according to your size. My God. Cut your cloth 
according to your size. Look, I put down here, this is a nice quote that I think the Holy Ghost gave to me. It says, what has been given to us should prioritize our well-being first, not luxuries of life. Living for luxury at the expense of your well-being is preparing for ruin. The Bible says, he that loves pleasure will become poor. Proverbs something, something. <laughs> I know, it's there somewhere, I can't remember which one it is. It's there, guys. It's there. Allah, it's there. It's there. It's there in the bim. It's there. He who loves pleasure does loves to feel nice all the time will eventually become poor. Guys, please, I beg you, in this economy, <laughs> cut your cloth according to your what? Amen. Prioritize your well-being before the luxuries of life. Amen. I think it's called basic one-on-ones of financial management. Amen? Amen? All right, then. My second point of obligation. This is a nice one. Our responsibility to provide for our family. Hmm. I'll put that three versions so that we can let this one sink in deep. Amen? First Timothy 5, verse 8. Amplified but the classic version, hallelujah. If anyone fails to provide for his own relatives, and especially for those of his own family, he has disowned the faith. In brackets, by failing to accompany it with fruits. Once again, just talking, yapping, I have no fruit. And the Bible says it's worse than an unbeliever. He performs his obligation in these matters. Let me just read the NLT version. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own households, have denied the true faith, and such people are worse than unbelievers. And my new favorite version is called Worldwide English, W-E. It says, a man must, not might, not can, not even should, must care for his own people. At least he must care for his Look, he's even saying at least the family. Mom and dad may be sorted, but at least your wife and your kids. Or should I, let me add husband as well and kids. Hallelujah. Equity, equality, hallelujah. <laughs> if he does not care for them, he shows that he does not believe in God. Ah! And he is worse than one who has never believed. I mean, I don't know if I need to preach this scripture. <laughs> Guys, if you're married, you're Finance has a first point of call, your family. Your family. This includes spouse, children. This even goes as far as dependent relatives. So minors, etc. There's people in your family beyond your immediate family that need your help. The Bible says you should help them. Bible says that if you're indifferent to helping them, 
you're showing that you don't believe in God. You know how deep that is, guys? God is linking your behavior towards people with your money to your belief in him. God says, you can't believe me and you want to act stingy to those that are in need. It can't work. I put another juicy one here. A disciple first gives to his or her family before any man or woman of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're giving to your pastors, not looking at anyone in particular here, before you give to your family, my friend, you're out of order. The man of God cannot benefit from your income before your family does. I'm not saying no gift to men of God, women of God, amen. But I'm saying your family comes. What, guys? This is how you can measure how I'm meant to give. We'll go in that one in our next session. And you shouldn't neglect family, financial responsibilities because you're giving to church. Everyone's quiet in the place today. <laughs> you can't blame giving to God's house as to why your family is hungry. Don't have food. Don't have basic needs. It's a good thing, right? But is that a God thing? I'm echoing all these points because these are things that we see happening in church today. And the Bible makes it clear that your family must be provided for. Amen? I put down here, it's your responsibility, not the state, not benefits, not church, not friends, not Oxfam, Red Cross, the whole list, to provide for your family, guys. Your belief in God should so much affect your work ethic that the God who says he'll provide you all of your needs will give you the grace to produce wealth to satisfy the needs of you and your family. So I'm a believer that if I believe in God, it has to shift my attitude to how I work with my hands. We can't have this lazy faith where we say God will do it and we're not doing nothing. A man will reap what he sows. God cannot be mocked. Amen? So, to expect anyone else to do this for you guys is actually unbiblical. Therefore, sinful, immoral. I put down here, even unchristlike. Your family is your first point of call when you receive income. Amen. My last and final point. Our responsibility to God and his will. I'm going to read this scripture in two versions here. And I even want to hear from you guys what you get from this scripture. Because I think it's a very powerful scripture. It, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 5, in the worldwide English, it says, my brothers, sorry, excuse me, and sisters, let me tell you, how God has blessed the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested 
by much trouble. But they are always very happy. Wow. And they are very poor. <laughs> because of these two things, they give to others as if they were rich. <laughs> make it make sense, people of God. <laughs> Verse 3. I can tell you because I saw it myself. They gave as much as they could. And even more than that, they did it all because they wanted to. Verse 4. They begged us to let them give something to help God's people. Verse 5. And they did more than we thought they would. First, they gave themselves to the Lord and to us because we were doing God's work. Jeez. One more version. I'm going to ask some for feedback on this one before I speak on it. Next, next one. Message translation. Hallelujah. Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. He's really exposing their conditions here, guys, yeah? These guys are destitute, yeah? The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. Hmm. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected. An outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and I saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians, verse 5 to 7. This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and it caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they first had given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. As you hear me, Speaking this scripture, what, what what stands out to you guys on this thing here? Don't we wash that once? Yeah. Okay, that's good. Oh man, anyone else going? Going us? Mm. Yeah. 
That's good. Amen. Saze? My God.
She gave you a cheat code, guys. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. hmm. What a cheat code. Hi. <laughs> you guys heard that, yeah? I'll say no more. Aisha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 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 That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, all of you guys. You know, you preached my point. Amen. I think I want to hone in on verse 5. I want to read it in a few translations and I'm going to close out. It says that, And not only as we had hope, but they gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. ERV says, and they gave in a way that we did not expect. They gave themselves to the Lord and to us before they gave their money. This is what God wants. The NLT says, they even did more than what we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and then to us, just as God wanted them to do. So here we're seeing that our responsibility to God and to, the, and to his will is first that we give ourselves. Your first tithe, your first offering, your first fruits is you. 
And the Bible says that they gave them to the Lord and then to Paul, which takes us a bit more deeper now because it's one thing to say that I love Jesus and surrender to him. It's another thing for us to act that out to one another. Amen? And how you serve one another, guys, is a direct reflection of your worship to God. Bible says you can't love me who you can't see and hate those who you can see. I find it interesting that he had to put in there that they gave themselves to God first, but also to us. By the will of God. So your surrender to God will bring you into an understanding of what he wants, which may look like you giving yourself to other people. You guys follow me here today? So when we give to God's house or to the kingdom matters, it has to start from this place of surrender to God. The motivation, the inspiration has to be your surrender to God. Like Damala said, it doesn't have to be this painful thing where we're making a oopa loopa of how much I had to give and it was so deep that, you know, it doesn't have to be a wrestle, amen? Let's be honest, all been there, I've been there. And you slightly let people know how much you gave. Amen? <laughs> You're all laughing. <laughs> Some of you have not given painful offense before. God bless you. Your, your, your one is coming soon. The, the trial is going to expose you. Amen? One thing I want to echo, guys, because last series was in transition. Amen? And I gave you three T's. Training, testing, then transfer. Their testing, their trial exposed their true colors. I, I, I spoke to you about Joseph. He had to go through all of that testing where God called him by name, someone that will have much, yet went through years of not having much. So once again, it's not what you see, it's not what it is. Hmm. And the trial, the testing exposed the true color. They exposed the real treasure within them, which was what? I want to give. Think about the last time you wanted to give. You got money and you thought, who can I give this to? When last, guys? These men were incredibly happy, desperately poor. Incredibly happy. It was like their wedding day. Hallelujah. Happy day. Yet, desperately poor. Once again, we're seeing money is answering all things, guys. And here, their giving was a sign of their surrender to God. I don't have nothing, but even with nothing, I'm looking for opportunity to give something. When last was you eager, desiring, hungering to give something? And I want this question to ponder on your heart because the Holy Spirit will use this question now, hallelujah, to now begin to deal with some, you know, philosophies we have around our money that can hopefully bring us to a place of transfer into God's money for our lives. Amen? So I'm going to end in prayer.
as we close this session. But I hope today you was inspired into what it is that God expects you, his obligations of you when it comes to the money he has given to you. First being your personal upkeep. Second thing being your family. Third thing being God and his will. And Father, my prayer today is that this word will enumerate in our hearts, God, that this word will not fall onto deaf ears, Lord, that this word will fall on good ground, good ground. Good Lord, let our hearts be open wide to receive the questions that you have for us concerning how we use our money. I pray a word of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I pray, Holy Ghost, be a teacher, and even begin to convict us about our attitude on how and when we should give what you give to us. We ask you this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for your time.